0: Welcome back to Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. Uh, The Vikings finally made a decision on Zarya Smith. They traded him to the Browns, get some low-level draft picks back. The Dalvin Cook decision is looming. Let's talk about those. Uh, Let's also get into Jeff's observations as someone who was running the Vikings in 1998, Uh, the similarities between the 98 draft pick of Randy Moss and the 2023 draft pick of Jordan Addison, uh, who was in town last week. Let's get into all that here. Uh, Thanks to White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. Best way to listen to this show or any show at talknorth.com. Subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. Check out TalkNorth.com for all of our other shows, including the Viking Update show. And thank you for listening. So the Vikings finally make a decision on Zedarius Smith. Uh, did you think they got a pretty good return given the situation they were in? Uh, probably. I'm sure they
1: would have liked to have gotten more than two fifth-round picks and giving back a sixth and a seventh. But realistically, with, with Zedarius's injury history and his lack of production in the second half of last season, it made it difficult. And so the main object was to free up the salary cap space. And, and now they're, I guess, you wouldn't call it necessarily flush with, with salary cap space. They've got $11.1 million of room now, which gives them a little maneuverability to at least sign their draft class. When you look at a guy such as Jordan Addison, whose first-year cap number is going to be about $2.7 million, <clears throat> and Justin Jefferson's extension, when that's done... His cap number is probably going to rise another 3 million or so above his current 4.175. They also need room for Daniel Hunter to get extended. We know he's not going to play for 5 million bucks that he's scheduled to earn right now. So those are all key things that they needed to do in order to gain some salary cap from Dalvin cook. We've talked about repeatedly, and he's a guy that I I don't think is going to be here. And, If they can't trade him and get a mid to later round draft pick, then they'll probably release him after June first and pick up somewhere between six and ten million dollars. I think it's closer to ten because they can divide the dead money over two years. So but getting back to to Zedarius, he he was a great player for the first half of last season, and then the knee problem surfaced and he just wasn't the same player after that, had a half a sack the last I think nine games and was not very productive in the playoff loss against the giants against a a questionable offensive line. So it it certainly made sense. It was logical that they, that they make that move, but I think it also kind of sets them up in a situation now where that edge rusher spot that is so critical on defense of a three, four is looking a little shaky to me at least and I know they they've they've got Hunter. He's he's had some injury issues in the past. They've got Marcus Davenport. He was hurt last year. DJ Wanham, Patrick Jones are, are, are okay depth guys. And and Wanham had a, had a really good season two years ago. <clears throat> Not quite as impactful last year as he changed positions too. So I, I look at the free agent class, Jim, and it's always interesting. This time of year, because there's kind of this last phase of free agency, shall we call it, after the draft when teams look at their rosters and see what potential weak spots they have. And I think that the Vikings look at their roster, they got to be concerned about edge rusher and about their cornerback situation still. And so you look at the edge rushers, there's some really good players that are still available. And some of these guys have been high salary guys in the past such as Leonard Floyd was on, a, I think, a $16 million a year deal at the Rams. He's he's available now. Can they get him for under $10 million and, and maybe throw a voidable year or two in the, in the deal, get him a cap number around $5 million? Frank Clark is kind of a similar type of guy. Had, I think, close to 50 pressures last year for Kansas City, but he – yeah, maybe a little too pricey there. Justin Houston, you and I have talked about him before. The guy never seems to age, had nine and a half sacks in Baltimore last year. He could be a great fit. Floyd, to me, is an interesting guy because he played at the Rams when O'Connell was there. And and so there's, there's a little bit of a connection in that regard. And Clowney was... I think had a little connection in Cleveland previously, perhaps with with Adolfo Menza. <clears throat> so it's interesting when you think about these edge rushers. Uh, Yannick and Gakway is another guy who's out there who's been a, a double digit sack guy repeatedly, but is not a good run defender. Floyd is a very good run defender, and I think that may tilt the scales. And plus, and Gakway was here before and did not do well, as we recall. <laughs> so. <clears throat> I I think in that regard, edge rusher to me and the corner situation, Jim, I think is still very questionable. And I look at Marcus Peters, played for the Ravens last year. He had coming off an ACL from the year before. And to me, Marcus Peters is a really interesting guy that I think could really help this team. Now, he did have a free agent visit at the Raiders last week. He made $10 million last year in Baltimore in the last year of his $14 million a year deal. So he may be too pricey for the Vikings, but if they could maybe get a deal <clears throat> similar to what Patrick Peterson got in Pittsburgh, which was two years, $7 million a year, I think he could really help them because I just don't trust their corner situation right now. If you're counting on Andrew Booth Jr. to start 17 games <clears throat> with the injury history he had in college and then he missed most of last year, with, with a knee problem, uh, Caleb Evans had concussion issues, and he looked pretty promising early. So you're counting on him. You're counting on Booth Jr. You're counting on Byron Murphy Jr., who missed eight games with a back injury in Arizona, and he's their big free agent signing. So and they had the first-round pick Blackman and the, uh, the, the thir- third-round pick Blackman and the fourth-round pick Ward, who's more a slot corner. So they've got some young guys coming, but, again, they're rookies. Marcus Peters, keep an eye on that one. I think, I think he's a guy that could really help the Vikings. And, and I think, Jim, about a guy like James Bradbury in Philadelphia last year. He's cut by the Giants. He signs a one-year deal for $7.5 million in Philadelphia. He has an all-pro season there. Is a big part of their defense that goes to the Super Bowl and second-ranked in the league. And then this year he signs a three-year, $38 million deal to stay in philadelphia probably could have got more elsewhere bradbury i think peters is is maybe a similar kind of guy to a bradbury in that regard and at 30 years old yeah he's he's getting up there but he's not as old as, as peterson was so these are some of my thoughts in late may and coincidentally we're recording this on Thursday, May 18th. It was May 18th, 2022, and Bradbury signed in Philadelphia <laughs> one year Ooh. ago today.
0: So you've laid out all of these really intriguing possibilities. The real question, you know, obviously NFL teams can't, because the salary gap and roster space and everything else, can't do just everything they want. Of all the things you mentioned, what should their top priority be? I, I guess I would
1: always lean towards that pass rusher situation and goes back to I guess what Bud Grant said <laughs> what you need is a, a great pass rush a great quarterback uh, to, to be able to win NFL games in the fourth quarter and I, I think the Vikings had that early last season with with Hunter and Zadarius Smith now Zadarius is gone and Marcus Davenport, can you trust him what's gonna how how our Wannham and, and Patrick Jones gonna develop. I, I think the pass rusher is critical, but I think that corner too. I'm looking at both of those about equally, Jim, honestly. Because as I said, I just think you're counting on three guys to come back from injuries. And one guy in particular in Andrew Booth Jr. who was hurt a lot in college too. So can you trust that he's gonna be your starter and Blackman the rookie? he he's, he's got potential. Yes. But I think both those spots have to be big concerns. And I think they could actually fill both of those spots. If they move on from Dalvin cook with the money they've already got, do, do a a creative deal, maybe with a little voidable in there that they've done before.
0: And I think they can figure out a way to get this done. Explain how the void, you know, people talk about it all the time and I'm not sure, uh, The average fan always gets it. Sometimes I get confused by it. Tell us about how the voidable gear thing works. Yeah,
1: basically what
0: a a team does, it it makes,
1: structures a contract with about two or three, what what we call kind of dummy years, which are bogus years that that can easily void if a player plays whatever percent or they figure out some way that the contract can void. And Philadelphia has done this, repeatedly with with their top players and it's why they were able to retain some of these guys like like bradbury and jason kelsey and it's it's just uh, slay a corner it's it's just a mechanism that every team i'm, I'm not saying every team does it because it, again you're kicking the can down the road the money's going to come back and haunt you at some point as as it is now with tom brady's deal in Tampa Bay, he had voidable deers in his contract. Now he's got 30 some million dollars of dead cap money that's hitting mm-hmm. the Bucks cap this year. So, yeah, but that's, that's basically it's just an easy, easy in, incentive or mechanism that makes a contract the last two or three years of the contract void out, and then the player is a free agent in the future. And it's actually what Kirk
0: Cousins has in his contract, too. To make him a free agent next year interesting all right let's get to uh, uh the the randy moss jordan addison comparison at least in terms of the way they were drafted let's talk a little more about dalvin cook i have a couple other questions for jeff coming up first of all let's hear about white bear lake superstore white yeah thanks jim always excited to talk about the white bear lake superstore buick
1: gmc and my great friend the owner paul rubin his general manager charlie Gattrell, their fantastic staff. Minnesota's number one volume, Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection and their super f- friendly premium team. Check out that great website we always talk about, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. You'll see 0.9% APR on GMC Sierra 1500 models, 2.49% APR on Buick Encore GXs plus a $750 purchase allowance. APR on GMC terrains and a $750 purchase allowance. No monthly payments for 90 days on all these great vehicles. And introducing the new 2024 Encore GX. The White Bear Lake Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 van superstore. They are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. Visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at superstarcom for all your vehicle needs
0: and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Do you think it's more likely that Dalvin Cook is released after June 1st, or do you, think, do you still think there's a chance of a trade, like maybe to Miami? I think it's more likely he's released at this point. I think
1: if they had traded him, now I know Zedarius got traded after the draft, and it's still possible, but I think the problem is that I don't think any team wants to pay Dalvin the $11 million that he's got coming this season in cash. I, I think that they want him to restructure his contract in order to, to to make a trade, and that becomes much more complicated. Dalvin does not have the most experienced agent, which makes it a little more complicated too. So I, I think the more, the likelihood is the Vikings release him after June 1st when they can divide the the – $8 million of, of dead money in remaining unamortized signing bonus, that they can divide that over two years. And, and that way they can free up about $10 million as, as it appears. And if they do that, then all of a sudden you've got $21 million of cap room and you might be able to sign your draft class, extend Hunter, and give him a, a big signing bonus that's spread out extend Jefferson, give him a big signing bonus spread out so you get lower cap numbers in the first year on those two guys that are obviously key players. I think that then you could still have the money to to sign a couple of bargain free agents at edge rusher and at cornerback. And that to me would be the 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 ticket for this team to go into training camp feeling pretty confident that they've got a good mix on offense and defense and special teams that they can defend that division title and, and hold off the lions. <clears throat> the bears will be charging at some point. I don't think they will be good enough this year. The Packers, it's Jordan loves first year. They still have offensive line issues. They've still got some age on defense and some unproven guys at wide receiver. So I, I just don't think the Packers are ready in Jordan loves first year to, to challenge the Vikings. So If they can make a couple moves, I think the Vikings have a really good chance to defend their division title. But again, they are going to need to get off to a good start. And we talked about that schedule. It's going to be tough right out out of the gate those first seven weeks. And that opener against Tampa, we we mentioned, Jim, the comparison between Jordan Addison being drafted this year and Randy Moss in 1998. What's also interesting is who do you think the Vikings opened the 1998 season against at home? <laughs> Tampa. I remember that game. Guess what? It was Tampa Bay. Yep. And Randy Moss, in his first game as a Viking wide receiver, had four catches for 95 yards and two touchdowns from Brad Johnson. You know, 31-7 to
0: win. I remember that day
1: very well, as you do.
0: Yeah, I was so, there. and We were both there. And I, I just remember... And the numbers were very good, obviously for a rookie playing his first game. But what struck me about it was how easy he made it look. Yeah, he he did. I remember he
1: was like backpedaling into the end zone. Yeah, it was it was a the start of of a, an amazing season that didn't end as amazing as we had hoped. Obviously, but <clears throat> but I, I just think about that that '98 season and the and the 2023 season and these two drafts. There are just so many similarities from the standpoint that. In 1997, we had finished nine and seven. We had won a wild card playoff game. Had played the Giants in the wild card round. They lost to them in 2022, but same opponent. And then San Francisco rolled over us in the divisional round. Our defense ranked 19th that year, but we had the 11th ranked offense. A lot of really really top players. Brad Johnson was a fine quarterback. We had 2,000-yard we had receivers in Chris Carter and Jake Reed. We had Robert Smith as a, an excellent running back, running behind an excellent offensive line. So we went into the 98 draft thinking our offense was in good enough sh- shape, but we needed help on defense. But then Randy Moss fell to us, and, and we couldn't pass him up. And we had the confidence, because, as we've talked before, because of our, our, one of our scouts, Conrad Cardano, had good in, intel. That Randy would be would not be a an issue character wise, and he has a rookie of the year season. And then you fast forward to 2023, and the Vikings are coming off 13 and five, including the playoff loss. Had a a very good offense, seventh ranked. The defense was basically bad, not not as bad as, or they, they were much worse than even in '97, but ranking 31st in the league. And we're going into the draft thinking cornerback, edge rusher perhaps, defensive tackle to replace Dalvin Tomlinson. And lo and behold, Adam Thielen's released, and they they draft Jordan Addison. So I think the similarities are just really amazing when you think about 1998 and then 25 years later to now and this draft, Randy Moss, Jordan Addison, Now, I'm not saying Jordan Addison is going to be Randy Moss because there may be one or two other receivers in NFL history that have been the equal of Randy Moss and maybe just one in Jerry Rice. So, but Jordan Addison, I think he's he's well positioned to have a very impactful rookie season and maybe he'll be an offensive rookie of the year as Randy Moss was.
0: Yeah, and it really speaks to the Way Kevin O'Connell wants to run his offense, and now you know, I think everybody loves KJ Osborne as just a, a guy and a solid performer, and he can, who can be very explosive. But you don't take somebody in the first round, uh, to be your third receiver. Jordan Addison's gonna end up being the second receiver at some point, and KJ Osborne's a very good third receiver. Then you have Hawkinson, and I, I think that, uh, I think O'Connell is just drooling over the possibilities.
1: Yeah, I think it, it's very similar to Brian Billick in 1998. When he, when he was we were in the draft room and he's talking about look at what we can do if we become more of a, a a three wide receiver base offense and we've got we got chris and and Randy and Jake at those spots and and we didn't have a tight end of the caliber of Hawkinson in that year but I think that it's very similar I'm sure O'Connell is, is really excited about that prospect and and I think also as he thought about Jalen Rager or Jalen Naylor as, as the third receiver, and Osborne as the second receiver, not quite as as attractive as, as having Addison in the mix. Osborne still is your quality third guy, and really it's not even a, a third receiver because if it's a th- three, 3 receiver base offense, they're all starters, <laughs> so it doesn't really matter. I don't think you necessarily label Addison two and Osborne three or Osborne
0: two and Addison three. They're both, they're both number two and three compared to Justin Jefferson. (laughs) Right. No doubt about it. All right. One more topic for today. Once again, thanks for listening to talkdork.com. Subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. Thanks to Brandon Morton. Thanks to White Bear Lake Superstore. Also check out the Viking Update show, our chin music show with Roy Small and Lavelle Neal and myself, um, John Krasinski on the Timberwolves, John Millay on preps, Mike Grimm on gophers. Uh, We have, Joe Anderson and Dave Lee doing variety shows We've outdoor content. Check it all out and thank you. We do appreciate it. Last topic, uh, with all the different permutations here, all the different possibilities, uh, what do you think the timing will be on a, on a Justin Jefferson contract extension?
1: Well, I, I think certainly it'll be after June 1st. I think that it'll be probably closer to the start of training camp that, that they will get a deal with, done with Justin when they when they got the cap room they've signed their draft class they've probably figured out something on Daniil Hunter at that point <clears throat> there isn't quite the urgency on 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 Justin's contract other than the fact that you want him signed early in training camp because I don't think he's going to going to want to practice <clears throat> until he gets signed and I think he'll be there he'll be in meetings and and he may well be at at, at um at OTAs I don't think he's, I'm sure he's not on the field at this point. And I would guess early July, early to mid July would be my timetable, or maybe even closer to the start of training camp. <clears throat> but <clears throat> he's going to get
0: signed and it's going to be very expensive, <laughs> over $30 million a year. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, next week, one of the questions I would ask you next week is are any of these, subordinate leagues, you know, USFL, XFL, are any of them ever going to break through? Are they going to be kind of just off-season oddities? Uh, we'll obviously get into more about uh, free agency decisions and developments with the Vikings. And again, check out the Viking Update show for a uh, writer's view of the, the Minnesota Vikings off-season. So once again, let's get a final thought from Jeff. Once again, thanks for listening. Jeff, final thought.
1: Oh, final thought, I think, I, I guess, I, I'm thinking still about the schedule a little bit. And, again, those first seven weeks are going to be very challenging. But you look at that, at, at the playing five playoff teams in the first seven weeks, just a, a real challenge. And I think that, that creates a lot of urgency for this team as, as they go through OTAs, as they go through training camp, that they know they need to get off to a really fast start this year. And that's going to start, as we said, in that opener against Tampa Bay here. So the schedule – is is challenging but once you get past that first part of the season then they have a chance to to make some hay and and get on a nice roll
0: good stuff jeff thank you we'll talk to you next week uh thanks to everyone who listens to talkwork.com